welcome to Side Alpha Leadership, a podcast where leaders can share their experiences and discuss what leadership means to them. I'm your host, David Polikoff. Hi, and welcome to this month's podcast, Side Alpha Leadership. I'm your host, David Polikoff. Uh, this will be December's 2020. Thank God 2020 will be over at the end of this month. Um, this will be the uh, final podcast of the year moving into 2021, and I'm pleased and honored to have a very good friend of mine that I've known for many, many years, uh, Mr. Robert James. Um, Robert James, please tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Hey, thanks, Dave. Uh, my name is Robert James. Everybody calls me RJ. I am uh, a uh, career firefighter. Um, and uh, I have uh, 14 and a half years on the job. Uh, I started off as a volunteer firefighter in uh, Montgomery County, Maryland, uh, where I moved to Montgomery County from uh, Cromwell, Connecticut, as a college living. So uh, I lived in the firehouse for a little over about six, six and a half years uh, before getting hired. And uh, still currently am a volunteer with the Rockville Volunteer Fire Department. But uh have a lot of experience in uh, the fire service, starting with uh, at a young age from 14 on. So, still love it, still doing it, still rocking out with it, bud. And uh, so, a little bit of background information of, of how RJ and I met. Actually, I was a uh, a career captain, maybe uh, when I was. I think I was assigned to Rockville. I may I may have actually been at uh, at uh, Glen Echo <clears throat> as a captain, but. Uh, I taught. Uh, I actually taught RJ's Fire One class when he came from Connecticut to uh, Montgomery County. I think I may have been at Glen Echo at the time, and uh, that's how I first met RJ. I actually taught his uh, his uh, Fire One class in the county. And yeah. uh, fast forward, I, I was, became. Uh, I was uh, eighteen years old. Yep, you're eighteen years old, and and uh, and then I transferred to uh, Rockville Station Three, um, and uh, where you were volunteering. And I kind of don't even remember you were in the class till I looked at the pictures. And then uh, <clears throat> I transferred to Rockville probably in 2006, 2007. And uh, one day RJ walked up to me and said, uh, hey, I'm thinking about tra- starting a, a training company. You, you, you want to be in it? And I'm like, okay. And uh, we fast forward now, 11 uh, years later, we've been doing capital fire training uh, strong for uh for 11 uh strong years we've got some awesome instructors we teach some awesome classes um and and uh to me you know rj giving me the opportunity to actually teach for his company has uh really focused my uh vision on training even though i was uh, an instructor it actually forced me to to think even more into the nuts and bolts and come up with actually writing training programs. So um, I thank you for that, for allowing me to be in there. And, and the joke now is is that uh, I taught you Fire One, and now you're my boss. So uh, <laughs> it's – but uh, either way, you know, I enjoy uh, I enjoy the training that we do, and you and I, we get to uh, put our heads together and come up with some fantastic programs. So um, – and uh, before we go any further, I know some congratulations are in order to you. Twofold, one, you just bought your – your first single-family house, so congratulations oh, yeah. on that. And, and I have uh, an office and a, a yard and, and, it, a place for all my fire, and a place for all my fire stuff. <laughs> right. 
Uh, and it's great, you know, it's great having that own little space. And then second of all, you found out yesterday evening that you scored uh, in the top five uh, for lieutenants in the uh, county that you work in. So, again, congratulations on that as well for a lieutenant. Oh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. And um, so I know you'll serve them well no matter where, where they put you. Um, even if it's at the training academy, you're going to do fantastic things there. But um, I know – I take my uh, on know, the road no matter where I go, Dave. <laughs> That's right. So, you know, only good times ahead for you. Um, right. So talking about training, that's kind of where we're going to go. That is that is like the uh, the uh, the the epicenter of what we do with Capital Fire and everything that we think about. We we live, we breathe uh, in the fire service. It all comes down to our training. Um, we've been uh, been doing it hard for 11 years with Capital Fire. We've come up with, again, some great programs. But uh, the in-station training, I know sometimes we, we lack. It's so much easier just to sit down in front of the TV. Um, but to be able to even to go so far as to sit at the, at the kitchen table and just talk about tactics and talk about stuff um, is good. Uh, but to actually get out there and do the hands-on stuff is even better. Or to actually take the stuff that you talk about at the kitchen table and then apply it in the practical sense is, is uh there's no words to describe how well, um, how sharp you can make your skills. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about training, but uh, not so much as is uh, doing the training, but more of getting the buy-in, coming up with new programs, how you present that to the people, um, some little tricks of the trade. And I know we've said it uh, a thousand times. I volunteer in, uh, in the county where I live. Um, if you can figure out a way to get the volunteers to come to the firehouse to train, if you get more than just the normal eight people, if you can get a vast majority of the membership, you found the Holy Grail, you can patent that and probably make a million dollars. So, RJ, I want to kick it over to you. Let's, let's talk about training. Let's talk about how you get your ideas um, the things that you come up with, you know, we teach a trucks class, but it's not your run of the mill trucks class. We add twists and things like that to it. Same thing with rapid intervention, uh, engine company, rescue squad, rescue work, writ stuff. So how do you come up with these programs? Is it something that you just kind of see and say, I'd like to explore that to tell people, you know, how you come up with the stuff and, and then how you actually get that, uh, into an outline and then actually to on paper into an actual working viable class. All right. Well, uh, thanks for that, Dave. And uh, I would like to start off with answering your question with this. Most of the training is not something that you or I or the guys for capital have made up. Most of the training comes from something that the American Fire Service has had to deal with, whether it was somewhere on the West Coast, somewhere in the Midwest, somewhere on the East Coast. This is not anything that we just sat down and said, let's just come up with our own thing and make this up. It's something that somebody or some company had to deal with. Most of our training that we do in American Fire Service comes from a challenge of some sort, something that challenged somebody or something that's challenged a company or, or whoever. And us as individuals in the fire service, we are the type of people who always try to make it better. We, we want to be faster. We want to be more efficient. We want to be better at our job every time we come in the door. So we have to take something that challenged us and and take that to build upon our training to, hey, the next time we deal with this, we can get at this fast. You know, I think Force Puncher is one of the biggest things that, you know, I love to teach, that we love to do, one of our biggest programs that we teach on the road. 
but it always comes from a challenge, right? So we've had a hard time forcing the, this particular style door. We had a hard time getting through this roll gate or, or this going through this kind of lock. Well, how do we how do we get more efficient at it? Well, we have to train on it. But it started from a challenge of some sort. So I think that uh, when we look at how we come up with these programs and how training uh, comes to be, we have to look at what the challenge was that presented. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does make sense. So I think in the grand scheme of things, we all start at some kind of challenge. Now, again, because we are the type of individuals who we always try to push ourselves and push ourselves and push ourselves to the max, then we take the training that we uh, overcame and then we try to push it even further. All right, so let's add this twist to it and let's add that twist to it. Hey, let's see if we can throw this kind of obstacle in there. And then we literally continue to push ourselves to have the absolute worst case scenario. I tell people all the time that there's really not much in the fire service that we do that's really advanced. If you think about it, almost every skill, and I say almost, but almost every skill that we do on the common fire ground every day is something that we learned in fire one or fire two, and maybe a safety and survival or a you know, street firefighter class or whatever. So if you think about it, what makes, a skill, what makes a skill advanced? Me personally, I think the only thing that makes a skill advanced is when you start throwing in the, the anxiety, start throwing in the adrenaline, start throwing in the rush of the loud noises. You know, you have your truck setting up with the outriggers, you got radios uh, broadcasting loud, you got, you know, just the run of the mill of the fire ground saws running, all that kind of stuff going on. And then now we start increasing our anxiety a little bit and now a basic skill turns advanced because we have a hard time trying to accomplish that task with all of the other stuff going on so i think when you look in the grand scheme of things in the grand scheme of training and how it comes to be i think it very much starts with a challenge of some sort that then we build upon that and start throwing in all of these different elements I know uh, <clears throat> I, I follow a lot of people in the military and, and uh, listen to them, you know, how they train and everything. And, and they do the same thing when it comes to training. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll go through it. And, and one of the things that I did my, my, uh, my side alpha leadership snippet uh, last week, um, we talked about training and that, that it had to be, you know, the fundamentals that had to be sound and it had to be realistic. And uh, that's kind of the thing that you're honing in on right now is the realistic. When you go to uh, with the special forces, when they go into what they call their kill house, they're using live ammunition. They're, they're breaching doors with live uh, breaching materials. They're using live ammunition, and they're going in and they're shooting. So it's, it's very realistic. There's a, a definitely a heightened level of danger. And I know that when we come up with a program, like you said, it starts off with, was there a problem? What was the problem? We start analyzing that problem and then we actually will go out and we'll start to research, you know, if it's a specific door that needed to be forced, if it was, uh, you know, they had problems getting through the door, the tools weren't working for them. And, and I'll be the first to tell you, you know, to the audience that listening, we've modified quite a bit of tools to make them work for us. We've sought out vendors that make tools 
that we use that fit our purposes. And I know, you know, we use, you know, everybody uses pro bars, but we've taken it a step further. You know, we've, we've modified our pro bars for capital fire. We use uh, different bars and you can talk about that in a few minutes um, that we utilize that, that most people may not know about um, different axes and things like that. And then we've adapted them to the problems that we saw. And then how do we solve those problems? And then once we get the, a good working, a workaround of how we solve the problem, then we start adding that added level of stress. And uh, when we talk about stress, especially for Capital Fire, you know, some of the things you can talk about, some of the things that we do to ramp the stress up, especially when we're doing our, our uh, rapid intervention class, um, how we ramp the stress up on people and the things that we do. We take things so far out of the box that you'd probably never see or maybe once in a lifetime, but it makes everything else that you would come across like a walk in the park because you've taken it to the worst case scenario in case this happens you have the tools and the skills to to mitigate but if it's a minor incident you definitely have the skills to to mitigate that without an issue so let's talk a little bit about the fundamentals of of training and the sound practices that we've used and and uh, Andy Fredericks said it a long time ago hey I didn't invent this stuff I just gathered it all and put it in a nice little package and now I'm presenting it to you so it's kind of like what we do and then talk about how we make it realistic and then also talk about the stresses that we put on the students um, in order for the class to just achieve that over the top um, level of, of uh, training. So yeah so if you think about it when you talk about the fundamentals I think the first thing that anybody needs to ask themselves is what's the what's the objective what are we trying to accomplish okay you know just as much as I do that you can have a goal in mind and it takes one person in the group to throw out a different idea and then here we are we can go completely sidetracked off of that objective one of the biggest examples I have for that is when I go to work uh, we have guys who are really good at ropes and we have guys that are very new to the job so when you start to teach these guys how to build say a three to one or something simple like a two to one or a three to one or something simple, it takes one person in that group to throw out something or throw out some idea or thought or ask a question. And then now next thing you know, you're building a nine to one or a 15 to one or a hundred to one, whatever. So the first thing you have to ask yourself is when you talk about fundamentals, what's the objective? I like to make sure that when we do training, we know what the objective is. And then you want to take the objective and break that down into subcategories, right? So based off of the objective, what are we trying to make sure that we have people walk away learning? I am a huge, huge advocate of not throwing so much at one person at one time, okay? Now, it's hard for us when we're on the road traveling because we only have a day or a weekend to give them this information. When I go to work, when I do training at work, I have every shift, right? Every third day I have a, a, a new day where I can bring on something else. So it's important that I look at what's the objective, what's the, what's the main thing I want somebody to walk away learning. And then I try to build out weeks worth of work. So if the, the end result is I want to have somebody be able to set up a system on top of of the training tower, lower somebody down and pick somebody off off the side of the building. Well, 
the objective is that, but we have to build to that. So the very first day we need to sit down at a table with a dry erase board and we need to talk about this. The next day we need to start practice tying knots. And you have to kind of build a program where you kind of lead the people to the end result. The other thing I want to add to that, Dave, is once you've accomplished that task for the day, call it a day. I know there's people who will probably hate me for saying this, but you can only throw so much at one person before you overwhelm them and they took nothing away. I am not one of those guys. And again, I know some people are going to hate me for this. I am not one of those guys who is, hey, we need to train all day, every day, and push our people just to the breaking point. I don't like that. My philosophy is and always has been, let's set an objective. Let's let our people reach it. Let them walk away successful so they come back motivated for the next one. When they come back motivated for the next one, we talk about the last one and throw some information about the new, the new part. And you have to let them build off of that. If you're not building, your fundamentals are just pretty much shit, right? Because nobody walks away learning. Their motivation is, is shot. And then at that point, you're just talking just to talk. So when you talk about the fundamentals, Dave, I think that it's important. And again, this is just my opinion. This is just how we conduct business. And if you think about it, we've been pretty good over the last 11 years of doing this and still, still, still at it. I think when you look at how we break down how we do things, talking about fundamentals, we actually break it down just like that. Now, when we start adding in the different stressors, right, we're not doing anything but keeping it real. And sometimes my old lieutenant used to say, sometimes keeping it real goes wrong, right? right? But at the end of the day, we are in a profession where if you talk about, like you mentioned, the military, that kind of thing, we're in a profession where there is nobody else but us. We're the problem solvers. So we have to train to fix the problem. And if we're not training to fix the problem, well, then who's going to fix it? So at the end of the day, I, I think when you look at the, the grand scheme of things, the overall topic of training and, and, and the fundamentals, I think anybody who's planning a drill or planning a, a training for their company or their shift, you have to look at where you're trying to end up not for the actual moment of what you want to do for the day. That's just my opinion, Dave. And, and I think right, wrong, or indifferent, it's worked for us for many years. We've trained many people and we're still out here training. You know, I think, again, you have to have something where people can walk away from it successful, but motivated for the next one. I know one of the things that comes to my mind when we talk about the stressors, you know, building in the artificial stressors, especially when we do our writ class, I have a grand selection of death metal on my phone that we pump through uh, loudspeakers while these guys are searching for downed firefighters in the most ridiculous conditions possible. And, and a lot of people, you know, they look at it as, like, at first they don't understand, you know, why, why are they blaring this ridiculous music that you, it's just, you know, ridiculous to, to, to hear the, the level of noise. And then you start watching these guys and they start yelling at each other. And you can see their anxiety start to ramp up. You can see that they start getting mad at each other. And then you can see that the group starts to break down. And that's when we can go ahead and we can stop 
and we can pull everybody back together and say, okay, here's what we were doing with the stressors. Now, when we go back into this, understand that you're going to run into these things. Sometimes your plan A is not going to go as planned, and you're going to have to be able to change on the fly, and you're going to be able to communicate. And when we run through it again on the second time, it's amazing to see that they kind of ignore all the outside stressors, and they're focusing on each other and the task at hand. And, and we've seen good results with that. What do you think, RJ? Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, when you look at the grand scheme of things, the mental aspect of this business is probably the most important part of it. You know, the, anybody has ever said to me uh, growing up, uh, even as a young kid in the fire service, the most important tool that we have is the head that's in between our shoulders, right? And so if we are not training to make our minds strong, well, then we're not really training because in the grand scheme of things, we deal with stress. And when we deal with the stress, it's on the fire ground, right? You can train to pull hose lines all day long. Can you train to pull hose lines? Now, when you have a car or three cars or obstacles in front of you with somebody yelling, they, the fire's over here and somebody's yelling the fire over there, can you adjust on the fly? So, you know, when we start adding in those stressors, that's where we start putting people into the position where they have to start thinking for themselves and start thinking how they're going to better the outcome. I think that, you know, we don't, as a company, just go in right out the gate and hit somebody with the stress. We build upon it. Even in the course of a day class, we build upon it. You know, one station, they're, they're, they're practicing hooking somebody up to the, to the rip bag or practicing buddy breathing or practicing a, a down firefighter hookup while they can see and, and under no conditions, right? And then we move them to the next station where, oh, now we blacked them out and they can't see at all. So, I mean, again, I, I mean, I, I hate to say it, Dave, but a lot of it's going to keep repeating itself uh, on your podcast, but the same things apply, right? You got to build upon those basic things. I think when you talk about stress, um, I, I think the biggest thing people have to realize and remember is our job that we do as firefighters is we work under stress. You know, my friend, uh, Al Benjamin, who is a, a retired senior guy from, uh, from rescue one and in, in New York city, you know, he told me one of the most valuable pieces of information right before my written test for uh, lieutenant for my department. And I, I, was, I was at a point, Dave, where I was stressed and, and just, you know, I was nervous. And he said, listen, man, he said, our job is to work under stress. And he said, you know, RJ, go in there and just take your test. You're, you're, do, you're sitting at a desk doing a written test where you're circling bubbles. This is not a life or death scenario. He said, but keep in mind, our job is to work under stress. So if you're not being able to handle stress well, you're not going to be able to handle this job well. And, and, and at the end of the day, Dave, that was probably the most relaxing piece of advice that somebody could give me going into a promotional exam. And honestly, uh, after the test, I said, you know what? That's the best piece of advice you can just have in general for this business. Our job is done under stress. You know, you brought up the, uh, the, the concept of the military and how they, they, they train under live 
lot of ammunition or they try they train under you know real scenarios well we do that as well i mean granted you know, the, we're not the military but the fire service has a lot of comparisons to the to the united states military but if you think of we we do the same thing right we train under stress we add in noise we add in all of these different factors you know you got your five finger death punch or whatever it is that you play and all these people are, are freaking out right but in the grand scheme of things, what do you do as an instructor when they're freaking out? You bring them back to reality, right? Hey, slow down. Just think about this. Take all of the other stuff that's going on around you and put it in the back and bring the main thing that you're trying to deal with to the forefront, right? And so when, when you actually do that, how much time do you really spend with that person walking them through it? Not much. The only thing you're doing is just stopping them for a second, engaging them, and then making them realize, hey, I... I, I can deal with this, right? And I think that is probably one of the most important things that as instructors that we can do is to just every once in a while stop and encourage the students or stop and encourage the people who are training. You can do this. You just need somebody to walk you through it for a hot second, you know? Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And and that's kind of, you know, one of the things that I've tried to uh uh, mold myself when I do instructor instructing. I think uh, very rarely, and I mean very rarely, will you ever hear me yell at a student because they didn't do something right. Uh, as instructors, we need to realize that hey, these are students and they are learning. So if they get something wrong, it's a teachable moment. You know, Absolutely. and that's what I tell people. I said, I'm not going to yell at you because you got something wrong. I said, we're going to figure out what happened. Maybe I didn't explain myself well enough. Um, and then we're going to go do it again. And, but what I do, I, I, I finish that statement with, if you keep making the same mistake over and over again, I don't think something's wrong with you. But uh, at the end of the day, as instructors, we, we stop. You know, take that tactical pause, whatever you want to call it, and say, look, guys, bring everybody back together. Here's the objective. This is what we're trying to do. It doesn't matter that I'm that I'm playing Cannibal Corpse or something in the back at, at, at 11, you know, at, at volume 11. Put that out of your mind. The job is to go find out where this down firefighter is. Let's go get him because replace that music with a chainsaw. Replace that music with somebody yelling and pass devices going off and hose lines and, and whatnot and, and, and radio chatter. You need to be able to focus on what the job is, and 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 that's important as instructors. We're not here to yell at people. We're not drill instructors. We're not trained to be drill instructors for basic training. We are trained to be fire service instructors, and we're here to encourage. We're here to make sure that uh, the people get the the best training that we have to offer them because we see them for a fraction of a second in their career and the training that we give them they move off into the real world in the fire service. And we need to make sure that when they leave our hands that they're capable of performing in, under a life and death situation. So yelling and screaming at somebody and, and throwing your hands up in the air and getting emotional is not going to help the situation. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of our students take away from us is that we're really laid back, even though we're throwing a lot of stuff at them and maybe stuff that isn't even technically you, you, you find in the real world under normal circumstances. The takeaway is, is that, Hey, no matter what gets thrown at me, I got this. And that's the important thing. Um, I want to talk about one. Go ahead. Say this real quick. So to an extent, I agree with you, right? But take yourself back and anybody listening to this, take yourself back to your very first recruit school or take yourself back to your very first fire one and fire two class. Think about who your instructors were, who were the yellers, right? 
you never remember the yellers because there were so many of them, right? But who were the ones that were calm? Who were the ones that were cool? I can tell you that when I was in fire academy, there were certain instructors who came up that you saw them for the day and you're like, oh, we got that guy teaching today. He's cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so right. you, you always, don't get me wrong. You, I, I love my department's academy. We have a very, very good top-notch program that I think that uh, we put a lot of, over the course of the last, I would say, five years, we put a lot of guys on the street. And I think that you have to have some yellers. You do. You have to have some people who are going to apply the pressure. You're going to have to have some people who are the, the, the constant people that are yelling to keep you in, in, in form. But you also have to have some, someone, some, some people that are the relaxed ones, the calm ones. And, and, and honestly, I like to be that one. And, and, and the reason being is I get nothing from you when I'm yelling at you. Okay? Just think about the way adults work. Adults have a tendency to shut down when another adult is yelling at them. So I'll be honest with you. I, I'm kind of the same way too. If you're yelling at me, I'm not listening to you. I'm done. Like you've, you've already made your approach. That is not something that I really am feeling. So sometimes adults have a tendency to, to, to shut down. But if you have somebody who's like the calm kind of approach, like, hey, man, we could have did this a little bit better. Or, hey, man, why did you do this this particular way? I think that you get better results. But don't get me wrong. You definitely have to have some yellers, but you can't have everybody yelling. You know what I mean? Right. And, and, and I think, you know, when, when we talk about the yelling, I'm talking about the, the yelling and screaming because they didn't get the line in quick enough. Or the yelling and screaming because uh, when the line got charged, the bail was open a little bit or all the way or whatever. Maybe, you know, maybe the line got away from it. It was a mistake. Um, but the yelling of, a, like, of motivation, like, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's get to the front door, get on line, whatever it is that we're doing, there's a time and a place for that. But, but there are instructors out there that just constantly yell. There's, there's chiefs out there that, that constantly look for something wrong so they can fix it. And uh, that's one of the things that, that we talked about, you know, when, when we do a hot wash or, or something uh, when, after, after the call or an after action review. I tell the guys, I said, if everything on the fire ground went pretty good and there's really nothing out there, then don't try to find something that's wrong. Praise the guys that they did a good job and move on. Um, you know, if there was things that we could have done better, then your approach is like, hey, man, we did a really good job with this, this, and this. We need to make sure that we're, we're a little bit better when we do this the next time. And maybe from there, we'll, uh, we'll have some training on some certain things of that. So when we do see it again, we're, we're good to go. Would you, would you agree with that? Uh, absolutely. Um, listen, man. If if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Right. And, and at the end of the at the end of the day, if the, if the guys and girls on the street did exactly what you want them to do, you know, what what more can you ask for? You know, I I always used to get picked on by the other guys that I worked with. They used to call me the good cop. You know, when I would teach at the academy, they say, "Oh, RJ's here. He's the good cop." And and you you got to have a good cop, right? It's all the cops are yelling at, at, the, at the people and you don't have anybody to actually say, Hey man, good work. Or, Hey, this man, this, this could have been a little bit better. You know, this is what we probably should have did. You know, you, you get more out of the people. And, and honestly, I, I think at the end of the day, that's, that's what our goal is, right? You want somebody to walk away 
learning the lesson that you're trying to teach, okay? Not just you're there to follow a script and push that script on them. You want them to be able to take that experience and use it later on. How many times have you been told something or taught something from somebody else and that idea or thought kicked into play on a call? And then you literally said, you know what, man, that was something that XYZ person taught me. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give them a call. Send them a quick text real quick. Just let them know that's something that they, that, that they gave me actually worked. You know, at the end of the day, you know, that's what we're, that's what we're shooting for, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and when we talk about, you know, as a, as a, an instructor or as a line officer, or even as a chief officer, you have to learn to keep your emotions in check. If you allow your emotions to rule on how you govern, uh, as a chief officer or as an officer in the station, or even as an instructor, then you're going to lose credibility. You have to be able to keep your emotions in check. You can't be the, you know, the yelling guy all the time. Um, there's a time and a place for everything, but for the most part, if you just, you know, enlighten people on, Hey, this is where we need to do, do a little bit better. And, uh, you know, we're going to set up a series of, of some drills and some training so we can kind of hone in on that. So the next time this comes up, we're golden. And I think, in my opinion, I think you get better buy-in from the people when they know that, Hey, the chief has his emotions in check. You know, he's not an emotional guy. He's not out there screaming and carrying on. He's uh, approaching each situation differently. And if we do something wrong, um, and I don't have a reason why I did it that particular way, well, then we learn from it. And we move on. I think that uh, you know, being a good instructor allows you to be a better officer and a better chief officer because it allows you to let the people know what mistakes were made, and then we can learn from that and how to build on that. What do you think? Absolutely. So, Dave, one of the biggest things uh, you just you talked about that I want to touch on a little bit more is the buy-in. Buy-in is huge, right? If you don't have the buy-in of the people, then it's just Dave's idea or RJ's idea. But how do you, how, how do you get the buy-in, right? So I can tell you right now, uh, you know, me being an instructor, me working with a company that travels, uh, it's kind of hard when you, when you have to do work on the side and you have to do work uh, in, your day, in your day-to-day operations. How do you get the buy-in from the people? Well, the first and foremost, what you need to do is you got to include them, right? So, you know, there's a lot of things that I'm not sure about or a lot of things that uh, I'm not ready to push to the rest of the world yet until I've actually seen it, tried it, or got, you know, multiple reps on it where I can put it into our day-to-day operations of our programs for capital fire training. But when you start including your shift, so one of my best, uh, I would say, attributes of my shift is they like challenges. They like being able to say, hey, man, RJ came up with that idea with us. (laughs) You know what I mean? So uh, one of the best things you can do is is, is to include people. You know, you need to take something, have somebody else work with it to validate it. Um, When you have multiple people feel like they're included in something, you got buy it. Um, I, I can't tell you how many ideas wild, crazy ideas, some successful, some unsuccessful, that started with uh, my station on my shift. And having those guys say, hey, man, 
I'm not really feeling that idea, RJ. That, that, that's, I, I just don't think that's going to work. Or I don't think that's the best idea. And when you can humble yourself to say, you know what, guys? I think you're right. Like, you know, I, I don't think that's a good idea. I think uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that advice. I think that helps you get the buy-in. When you have those people who are included in it, um, the best thing that I can say about my actual shift at work is I have a very split shift, right? I have 10 guys to a tour, and I have half of them are senior guys and the other half are junior guys. When you can look at a junior guy as a senior guy and say, hey, man, what do you think about this? And the junior guy say, hey, I really like this, or hey, I don't like this. And you as a senior guy can say, hey, man, I really value your opinion. That's really respectful, you know? I, I like that, and, and, and what you're saying makes sense. I think you get you get to buy it. You got people who are of different um, levels in the fire service, whether they're senior or not, feel included. They're going to give you more. And, and so, you know, again, having junior guys, some fresh out of recruit school, some that have only been there a year or some, some that have only been there two or three years, and having some guys who have been there 15, 20 years, and, and you value their opinion, you got their buy-in. So, you know what, when you come back with more, guess what? They feel included. They feel uh, like, like they're a part of some of the decision-making process. You got their buy-in. I struggled when we started this company years ago, Dave. I struggled to include other people. And the reason being is I didn't want to burden anybody with my work. And at the time, a lot of guys were like, oh, man, you're, you're like, you know, you don't want to do anything with us. You don't want to. And it wasn't that it was, Hey, I, I didn't want to burden you with what I got going on. And then I learned that. And I took that and I was able to twist it to say, all right, guys, listen, I got to teach a program or I got to build a program or I got to do something or, or I need you guys' opinion. And then you get those guys to say, Oh, cool, man. We really appreciate now you value our opinion. You get to buy in. You know what I mean? So like yeah. at, at the end of the, at the end of the day, buying is huge. Because when you think about it in the grand scheme of things, when we're all instructors in this business, everybody's selling something. Everybody's selling an opinion. They're selling their thoughts on tools. They're selling their their way, their tactics of how they want to get to this door or how you should run this incident. The question is, is who's buying it? And if you don't have the support from the people to say, hey, man, we validated this. We tried this. This, this shit is true and legit. And you're not going to have the support. You're not going to have the people that buy into the program, you know? Yeah, I think that uh, another aspect of that, you know, to get that buy-in from people is when you are uh, very enthusiastic. You know, you have that upbeat attitude and enthusiastic about the training and and, uh, you you present it to the guys saying, hey, guys, we're going to go out and we're going to do this kind of stuff, you know, instead of the whole like, oh, today, you know, we got to go do this, you know, the battalion chief said that we have to come up with some type of training. And, and when the guys see that your heart's not in it, then right away, they're not going to be into it. But if you present something like, you know, Hey guys, this is a great opportunity where we can, you know, take this forcible entry drill and let's take it up to the next notch. Let's, let's start spitballing about some different stuff. Yeah. We can get through the door using the hydro ram, but let's talk about using the irons. And, and, and when you present it in an upbeat kind of way, I think that helps get goes a long way of, of getting a buy-in as well. Um, I know that we've come up with, with a lot of programs through Capital Fire. Some of them worked, some of them didn't. Um, 
but I think the really cool thing is, is, is that the programs that we came up with, we all had something to bring to the table, whether that was our, our strong area or not. Like, uh, you know, with, with forcible entry, you know, I've, I've, I've loved truck work and, and I've done it my whole, whole career and, and, and I really love it. But when it comes to the forcible entry stuff and the nuances, then I'm going to defer to you and say, hey, let's come up with something different. What do you think about this? And, and uh, then you can kind of say, well, this is what I've learned and these are some of the things that I've been thinking about. And then we can put a class together. Same thing with the command class. Um, even though, you know, the guys, some of the guys that, that work for the company aren't chief officers, it doesn't mean anything. It's like, what do you see as a command officer? What would you like to see out of that? And then they give that information back to me and then it helps me build a program about command and leadership and stuff like that. So it's not just all coming out of one person's head. It's a good collaboration of everybody. And I think that's why our company works so well is because we're all enthusiastic. We're upbeat about what we do and um, we want to deliver the best product and, you know, that when we go there, we're excited to deliver the product for the 50, 100th time. Uh, we're excited about delivering that. Would you, would you say that's a good, uh, a good uh, analogy of what we do? Uh, absolutely. Dave, what's the number one thing that we tell people when we teach a class? The number one thing that we tell people when we teach a class is, yes, we are here as instructors, but we are also here as students. And no matter what I tell you I have done, which has worked for me, has worked for my guys, but has worked across the country that we've seen teaching. I am still willing to listen what you have to say that might have worked for you. And when you look at that, a lot of times students say, you know what? These guys are top notch because why? They brought themselves down to our levels. They're not here talking like they're better than us. And they're here to learn just as much as I am here to learn from them. You know, we do that everywhere we go. And how many times have we taught a class, showed up to teach a class, and when we offered that thought, somebody hit us back with something, and we were like, you know what, that's pretty cool. I never thought about that. Or you know what, where I come from, we don't do that. So I never considered that, but that is a great idea. You know, I think that when you look at that, it, it – it comes in so many different ways, you know? And when you talk about how you keep people motivated about it, I'll tell you this, Dave. Uh, I work with really good guys who are motivated about the job. Over the course of my career, I can say that sometimes I have not. But at the end of the day, guess what? I don't give a fuck because I love this job. And if I find a bunch of people who love the job just as much as I do, you're, you're going to, it's contagious, right? You're going to like it just as much as we do, or you're not going to want to be around it. And you'll find, you'll find the opportunity to go somewhere else. And somebody else who wants it just as much as I do, or the guys that I work with do, will get another person like that. So motivation is contagious. I work with 10 guys every third day. Ten guys who love the job, who all bring something different to the table when it comes to the job, who, you know, at the end of the day, just want to be there. Training with them is not something that you have to press on them. Honestly, the hardest part we have on our shift with ten different with ten guys is trying to figure out what drill we're going to attack for the day. Because guess what? With ten different guys, you get ten different opinions, and everybody wants to do something, and they're all important. <laughs> you know what I mean? So right. Uh, 
at the end of the day, it's, it's one of those things where you have to say to yourself, when you love this job, when you love being ready for the job, the motivational part of it, it, it just it comes natural. And it'll come natural for the other people who are around you. It's contagious. You know what I mean? It's contagious. Well, that's, and that's, that's the thing, having that enthusiastic, upbeat attitude. When you show up for work with that, that's contagious. You know, it only takes one poison uh, attitude in the, fire, in the firehouse to bring an entire shift down. But if your attitude is that of being upbeat and, and happy to do the job and that, that, you know, this is the best job in the world and you're living that, well, that's, that's infectious. That's going to spread to the rest of the shift. Um, one of the, one of the things that that I like seeing, you know, when I'm when I roll up on the fire ground and I take command and I look out my windshield and I see everybody just it's like a well-oiled machine. Lines are getting pulled to where they need to be. Guys are down on a knee getting their SCBA on. They got their tools next to them. Circle checks are being done. Ladders are being thrown to the building in in rapid manner. Everybody's doing their job and I'm looking at that and I'm like, "Wow, this is just absolutely awesome." And it makes it you know, it makes me proud uh, watching these guys do the job. It also makes me a little longing because I wish I could be out there doing the job with them. But, you know, everybody <laughs> has their part to play. But the fact that everybody's just working together, you know, like like uh, like our buddy Tony Tricarico says, is that, you know, you don't practice till you get it right. You practice till you can't get it wrong. And I'm watching these guys and they're just like machines and they're just they're doing the things that they're supposed to do that that really not only did that reflect positively on me and it's not like that i did that they were like that when i got there but it's my responsibility and my job to make sure that they maintain that level of of uh of of training and that 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 high bar expectation uh one of the things that i want to touch on that you talked about is you know when we go out and teach we we talk about humility um, when we go out and teach, I'll tell guys right away, I'll be, when I'm delivering my, uh, my PowerPoint presentation while, while you guys are out setting up the training grounds, you know, I'll tell them, I said, you know, please stop me, throw your hand up in the air. If you, if I'm going through something and I'm talking about something and you've seen something done a different way that works, please, by all means, bring it up to me. You know, I'm going to write it down. And then I always end up saying like, you know, I'm going to write it down. And if it's really good, we're going to use it in one of our programs, but we're not going to give you credit for it. But um, <laughs> that's one of the things that, that I like to hear. I like to hear what other people are doing. Just because I'm there teaching you a class, you're paying us to be there to teach a class doesn't mean that I still can't learn. Um, we, we, we've said it a thousand times. I had uh, Jason Gardner on, on this uh, program a few, a few months back. He's a retired Navy SEAL, and he talked about humility. And he said, you know, the day that you stop thinking or the day that you think you know everything is the day that you need to move on. You you're become a liability. You become an, a, a danger. So I think our humility runs pretty deep in, in, the, in the program, in our, in our class, because we're all there to learn after each other. And we've got some fantastic instructors, uh, and you know as well as I do, RJ, these guys have seen war in three or four years, and you and I have seen in, in, you know, in my 33-year career and, and your you know, 15, 20-year career. These guys that have been on the job in New York or whatever have seen more and have come across more, and we just we feed on that. It doesn't matter what rank you are. It's that um, we, we want to make sure that we're getting all that information so we can continue to churn out a good product. So, you know, but humility all, runs deep, and you have to be that away. way. We all walk away, whether we learn from the students, whether we learn from each other, we all walk away learning. That's the end result. That's what we were shooting for, right? Let me tell you something, Dave. I, one of the best pieces of advice that I've ever got was when some of our instructors from New York City who come from the city, 
who has the most firefighters, runs the most fires, a lot of calls say, hey, man, I have learned just a lot from your guys from where you come from. Well, I learned a lot from you and just forcible entry or a lot from you and how to run an incident. When, when somebody says something like that, it's, it's a huge accomplishment. But at the end of the day, when you think about it, hey, man, I'm no better than you and you're no better than me. That's what makes us really good because at the end of the day, whether the students walked away learning or the instructors walked away learning, whether the students learn from the instructors or the instructors learn from the instructors or the instructors learn from the students, what was the end result that we were shooting for? Somebody walk away learning something. And I can tell you right now, there has never been a day, there has never been a time, there has never been a class that we have done where somebody did not walk away learning, learning something. When it happens, Dave, I'll tell you right now, and anybody listening, when it happens, Capital Fire Training is done. <laughs> because that's our job. Our job right. is to make sure somebody, no matter what level, walks away learning something. We have and, not and, failed and, at that one point. No, and, and I and I'm gonna I'll go out on, on a limb here. You know, it's it's you know the company that I, I work with, it's your company, but I'll be the first to say is I think that's why we get a lot of repeat business. I mean, we're going back to some of the same firehouses that we've been three, four, five times to teach either the same class or different classes or other classes, or they'll just say, hey, we're kind of interested in this. Do you have a class? Say, nope, but we'll build one. We'll get back to you in a couple of weeks. Um, we get that repeat business because I think people know that we're genuine. I think people know that that uh, we're not walking in there with a, a higher, mightier attitude that, that we're superior to you because you've taught us to come in here and train you. No, we're all firefighters and, and uh you know, we want to learn from you. We want to hear how you do things. Hey, uh, you, you might only get out the door with three people, but with those three people, you have these jobs that you have to do. How do you accomplish that? You know, whereas some of our counterparts that, that work in New York City, they're going out the door with five and six people. And they're like, wow, how do you do truck work with three people? You know, we do it with five and six. The job still gets done and we all we all learn from each other. And, and I think that's why we get a lot of repeat business because people know that we're genuine, we're not fake, and that we're there to learn and that uh, we'd be more than happy just to sit down and just talk fire stuff at the end of class. We're not all trying to pack up and go home. We're like, hey, you guys want to talk about more stuff? We'll talk about more stuff. It's one of the things that Frank Ritchie's always told me. He says, you know, as a chief officer, you need to learn know when to leave so the guys can talk about you. And I've told my guys when I do my rounds, you want to sit at the kitchen table and talk fireman shit? I'll be here all day. So all your right. best bet is to maybe make the conversation brief if you want me to leave and then I'll go. But you want to talk about fireman stuff and tactics and strategies? I'm all in. I'll sit at the kitchen table, have a cup of coffee, and I'm all about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, one of the last things that I want to talk about is, uh, you know, how is it that as instructors, as officers, as you know chief officers you walk into a shift you know a new shift and this is going to be you know you probably within the next uh at least within the next few months of <laughs> walking into a shift how do you set yourself up to make sure that the people know that hey we're going to train 
and uh, you know, I'm I may be a junior guy. I've got some senior guys there. How do you get those guys on board? How do you sit across the kitchen table and look at them and say, these are the, some of the things that I want to accomplish? And I know we talked a little bit about buy-in, but for those new officers out there, RJ, how would RJ handle that moving from a firefighter driver to a lieutenant's position? How are you going to motivate your shift to train? So I'll tell you this, Dave. Uh, granted, you know, I have a lot of experience with this as working as a senior man uh, in my company. Um, I think that, again, I'm not in that position yet, knock on wood. Uh, we'll see where where I fall. But I think that one of the biggest things moving forward, working for my department, I plan to do is to not change. I, 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 I have to really say, I think... And I work in a department that has a little over 500 people. We're not a huge department, but we're not a small department. I would like to say with a department size of a little over 500 people, everybody knows me. Everybody knows what I stand for. When people know that I am big in training, I think people know that when I show up, there's going to be some kind of training that's going to go down. And again, not every training has to be a knock, knockout, drag down, one of those got to get sweaty, uh, spend five, six, seven hours worth of training. I like to just set a goal and accomplish it. If I can get two, cool. But, you know, I like to get something done. I work on a shift right now. We shoot for at least two trainings a day. The first one we do at the kitchen table in the morning, we go over streets, we go over, you know, quick tactics or calls or something that the shift or we ran last shift, we didn't have time to talk about. And we talk about it first thing in the morning. And then at some point in time, we like to try to get a hands-on drill done in the tour if we can. I think that when you let people know up front, hey, guys, today, I would like us to do X, Y, Z and you give people time to prepare themselves, give them times to mentally be prepared for it, you're going to get to buy it. Dave, we've been talking for almost 45, 50 minutes, and the same topics keep coming up. Buy-in, communication, and getting people motivation, getting people to do the task. Again, I told you earlier, we were going to keep repeating these words because they just they keep falling back on top of each other. When I walk into a firehouse as a brand new lieutenant, knock on wood, I hope that people know what I stand for. I also hope that people know that I'm going to say, guys, what would you like to do today for training? Again, using the same concept that has worked for us for many years. I'm no expert, but I'm willing to listen to what you guys have. I'm willing to throw in some thoughts that I might have and together Whoever we have sitting in front of us, we can come up with a plan on how we want to accomplish this, that, or the third. I think that when you have that approach and always have that approach, you'll always have buy-in. You'll always have motivation. I can tell you that the fire service has people who, you know, they don't take the job serious. They're not really about training. They're not motivated to do something. And then... You know, they take a promotional exam, and then guess what? Oh, boom, now they're motivated about training. Now they want to do this, that. And then you don't have the buy-in of the people. They saw how you have been throughout your career. 
And then all of a sudden you want to take a serious matter. You got promoted. I think anybody who knows me knows that I have take, I have took training serious my entire career, starting as a young 18 year old kid, uh, all the way up to now I'm 35 years old. I take training very serious. I think that when I become of a person of, of a position of power, I think that maintaining the same level of um, training, maintaining the same level of what I expect, expectations, I think that will always continue to get me motivated people that want to train and the buying of the people while I'm training. I think without that, Dave, you're never, ever going to get it. You have to always want it and show people that you have it. I think, and and I knew, you know, when it does come to training, those those same words that that, that keep coming up, they're always going to come up. And I think it's important that that we keep talking about that because there are a lot of, of uh, new officers that are out there that may be approaching like, you know, you know, I, I only have X number of years in the fire service, and uh, you know, I really want to make sure that my shift is good and. and uh, you know, I, I want to train, um, <clears throat> but what, what do I do if this person doesn't want to do it? Or what if this person's giving me, you know, a hard time? And what I've told people is I, I said, it's real easy. I said, you go to that person, you sit them down and say, all right, I need you to come up with a drill and throw it back on them. Let them come up with something. And uh, you'd be surprised because when they have to perform in front of their peers, they're going to make it the best that they can make it. They don't want to fail in front of their people. And I think that's another way to kind of, of, of back in or end around this, this buy-in to the point where, hey, not only is the, the lieutenant trusting me to come up with some good training, I need to make sure that I look good doing it because I don't want to fall on my face. And, and I think that that's, that's another uh, mechanism that, that you can use uh, as an officer, but, but the motivation, the buy-in, um, being authentic, you know, staying true to who you are, uh, is, is all important. When, when I had the, uh, uh, did that, that promotional class for the, for the guys in my County and even did another uh, neighboring County, we had them on a zoom call. The first thing that I told them is you need to be yourself. That's the number one thing because you don't know how to be anybody else but yourself. And like you said, if you were the kind of person that was a minute man showed up five minutes before work started, uh, you slacked off in your duties, you constantly criticized training, and then you decided, oh, you know what, I want to get promoted to lieutenant. And now you try to redefine yourself. It's going to be very difficult, especially in a smaller department. People know who you are. Um, and the people that don't know who you are, well, they're going to be calling up the shit that you come from and they're going to ask, who is this guy? And, uh, you know, that's the impression they're, they're going to get. So you need to be true to who you are. Um, when you're starting in the fire service, training is important. It's the number one thing that we can do in order to make sure that we're keeping ourselves safe, our brothers and sisters, and that we're coming home to our family the next day. That's what we owe to them. Um, we're coming down to the witching hour, RJ. We've got a couple of minutes left, so I want to give you the, the last words on talking about uh, whatever it is that's on your head, what you want to talk about, and, uh, and then we'll close it out. Cool. So, you know, Dave, I really do appreciate you having me on your podcast. Um, and I do uh, appreciate you asking my opinion about certain things. Um, you know, I, I don't have all the answers. I, I never will. Uh, but one of the best things I can say is anybody who knows me, anybody who knows you, anybody who knows the guys that we teach with or capital fire training knows that training is 
one of the biggest things we stand for. I don't know this job in its entirety, but I'm constantly learning. And the people who take our class don't know the jobs in their entirety, but they're constantly learning. As long as everybody has agreed that we have a lot to learn and we can constantly keep learning, the fire service is going to be okay. You know, there's so many people who say the fire service used to be better, the fire service could be this, the fire service. I'll tell you this fire service is going to be okay if everybody is willing to keep learning when you have the know-it-alls or the people who just have seen it all and done it all the fire service is not going to be okay we have so many more calls that we have to run that we have to learn from that we have to go back and bring to the to the kitchen table or back to the training ground i i I wish, Dave, that I had enough time or I wish that we had more time to talk about this. But at the end of the day, we, we have so much more learning to do. The only way you're going to learn is to open your mind to learn and be receptive to learning. I think that we have all done a pretty good job of being those kind of peoples over the course of our careers, our lives, our, our, our time in, in, in this business. I would like to close this out by saying this. You are your own worst enemy. You can make this job what you want. This job can be huge. This job can teach you so much. This job can give you nothing. It depends on what kind of person you want to be. Be the person who is willing to learn. Be the person who is coachable. Be the person who is willing to give what you've learned to somebody else. I think that's the one thing that we didn't talk about, Dave, and I, and I want to close out by saying it's great that you learned all these cool tricks of the trade. You learn these different tactics. But if you're not sharing it with somebody else, it's pointless. That means it stopped with you. The best thing a senior guy can do is to teach a junior, junior guy how to be a senior guy. And I'll close it out with just saying that, Dave, I really do appreciate you having me on. Uh, I, we, could talk, we could talk for days about training. You know that. But, uh, you know, I don't have all the answers, but the, the, the fact of the matter is that we are always consistently wanting to learn and get more answers. That's what training is all about. Absolutely. And, and I'll have you on here again, obviously. I've had Sam on here a couple of times and, and uh, you know, it's just a, a formality that I haven't gotten you on here, but at least I get to close out the year with uh, <clears throat> with my, my boss uh, for Capital Fire on, <laughs> on here. So I appreciate you being on here, RJ, and I appreciate your insights on training and, um, and good luck and uh, look forward to uh, seeing the, uh, the collar pins on your shirt when you're the lieutenant. And uh, if I have to, I can put a word into your boss. I've, I've, I've had him on the show as well. So uh, with that, uh, <laughs> He's a good thanks dude. a lot for being Yeah, he is. Thanks a lot for being on the show, RJ. And uh, thank you, everybody, for making this year of 2020, even though it was kind of a crappy year, uh, for um, Side Alpha Leadership. We had over 3,000 downloads of, of the 12 episodes that I've actually put on here. Um, actually, 11 episodes. This one will go on in, in uh, December. So 3,000 uh, downloads. You can check it out on uh, Facebook, Instagram, as well as Twitter. 
Um, so with that, RJ, I'll uh, see you on the training ground. And for everybody else, uh, thanks for listening and uh, see you in 2021. Awesome. Thanks, Dave.